Thanks be to God. There's an outline sheet in your worship folder if you'd like to use that as we move through this message. Before the big snow that returned us to winter, I spent a week ago Thursday working in the yard, gathering and picking up the remaining leaves left over from fall that accumulated at the edges of the yard and under bushes. Whole body was involved. The whole body was involved, kneeling in the grass. The feet were bent at times into an uncomfortable position, sometimes to the point that the ankles shifted wearily to take some of the stress. The knees took an inordinate amount of pain, not always quietly enduring their suffering. The back was bent at times, low and sideways, stretching in different directions. Arms moved continuously toward debris, needed gathering. Wrists and hands and fingers worked in harmony, deftly picking up what the eye was directing, looking here, then there, under this, behind that, getting rid of leaves and twigs and all the leftovers of the winter, routinely moving from the lawn to the trash bag, back and forth, in and out, back and forth, and all the time, all the time working for a common purpose, overseen by the head that kept saying, this really does need to be done. (laughs) Don't quit yet. The area will look beautiful when you're finished. Keep going, stretch if you need to, stay steady. And then suddenly, everything just stopped. It was, there was a quick movement, a motion <coughs> by the left hand that had been working, holding the, the garbage sack, <coughs> had been holding that open, now reaching to hold the right hand and particularly the little finger. <coughs> Excuse me, I'll tell you about this in a minute. <coughs> uh, sorry. the head turned eyes focused lips tightened all because a tiny piece of wood (coughs) a little sliver of wood (coughs) a chip or a thorn had pierced the end of the littlest member of my right hand there was a quick jolt of pain from a minute sliver of wood sticking in the tiniest finger, and the whole activity ceased at once, stopped. And a new action began just as fast. Find the source of the pain. Never once, never once did the head say, well, we'll just have to get rid of that finger. (laughs) Never once. No, no, no. If one part suffers, the whole body, the whole body suffers. Every part suffers with it. And as that was happening... I remembered and that I'd been studying these verses that Darwin just read from 1 Corinthians 12 about the church being the body of Christ, and all of a sudden I realized I'm a visual aid. <laughs> no? and, and just after the pain and the refocus of the purpose of the task, one of my first thoughts was that's what Paul's getting at. His analogy is meant to help us understand how the church is designed to function. It's like a human body. 
But this is more than just a figure of speech. It's uh, when we say that the church is the body of Christ. It's a spiritual reality. And the Lord takes it seriously. And we're meant to as well. Now, I I suppose there are times when we're all tempted to look upon the, the church as just another human organization. Kind of a club or whatever we can take or leave. And it's true that the church is filled with weak and at times difficult folk. But the Bible makes it clear that the church is not a human invention. It's not a human invention that came about to to organize our faith into some sort of religious structure. Charles Colson, in his book, Loving God, writes this, Biblically, the church is an organism, an organism, not an organization. It's not a part of the community. It's a whole new community. It's not an, an orderly gathering. It's a new order with new values, often in sharp conflict with the values of the surrounding society. If the church is just a human institution, then it's just fine to disregard it or disparage it or completely ignore it. Attendance, participation can be totally voluntary. But as Colson points out, the church is not an organization, though outwardly it can appear that way. The church is an organism precisely because it is a living body. It's the body of Christ. And that's what Tom Rainer, in this book that we're moving into, I'm a church member. As Darwin mentioned, they're, they're free. If your family hasn't picked one up, they're out in the lobby just outside the doors. Pick one up as you're leaving this morning and begin to work your way through it. It's, it's a, a good read. It's a fast read. But on page 11, if you've got your book with you, he says that membership, if, if membership is about receiving instead of giving, being served instead of serving, rights instead of responsibilities, and entitlements instead of sacrifice, then we've misunderstood the nature of the body of Christ. Now, his first chapter is called, I Will Be a Functioning Church Member. It's divided into four sections. The sections, when I read the chapter, when I looked at those sections, I realized that those sections that he's got there are the flow of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And when we, when we look at it, what we see here, first of all, is, is just this. Do you want me to do it or do you guys want to do it? Okay, I can do it. Every member is a necessary part of the body. Every member is a necessary part of the body. Guys, you, you do it. I changed my mind. You do it. Okay? Okay? Body's not made of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. What's he saying? He's saying that to deny involvement with with some group or another is one thing, but to withdraw from involvement with Christ's body is really quite another. The church wasn't created by a committee It wasn't created by a committee of apostles when Jesus left. Somebody has said that a a committee, best functions and decisions happen best in a committee when there's a committee of three people and one is out of, or two are out of town. (laughs) Okay? Somebody else has said that a camel 
is a horse created by a committee. So, okay? Church wasn't created by a committee of the apostles when Jesus left. It was created by an act of the Holy Spirit of God on the day of Pentecost, the birth of the church. So in short, the church is God's idea. The church is God's idea. And what the Apostle Paul is saying in these verses is that when we become a Christian, we're placed in this body, not by church polity or some group vote, but by an act of God's Spirit. And we become a vital and necessary part of it. We're all necessary parts of the whole. We're necessary parts of the whole. We're a body. We're a fellowship. And that includes, that includes the realization that when we're together, it's about so much more than some coffee and donuts or a hug or a handshake or a little sports talk or asking about the family. The picture is trying to illustrate a holy partnership, a genuine communion of souls. We're connected by the same Father, blessed by salvation, by the same Son, the same Savior, and filled with the same Spirit. There's a supernatural oneness when we meet in the name of Christ as His body. We're all necessary parts of the whole. And that leads us into the next section. Every member needs the help then. We need the help of other members. Paul writes about it. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Now, you you look around right now, you just look around at one another. What we see is precisely what Paul's writing about. Many parts, one body. Many parts, one body. Our differences are by God's design. They're by God's will. Now, we know from reading earlier parts of Paul's letter to the church there in Corinth that the body had a rash. (laughs) There were all kinds of difficulties in the life of the church in the city of Corinth. The body had a rash, a rash of rivalries and jealousies, of envy, dissatisfaction. And he says that kind of attitude, that kind of behavior needs to be healed. Every part of the body is a necessary part in the harmonious functioning of the whole. And it's the same with the church, the body of Christ. So, Paul asks some questions. What if we're all the same? Looked the same? Thought the same way? Talked and walked the same? What if the whole body were an eye? (laughs) It would be ugly, that's what. Eh? Eh? Well, there'd be no hearing as well. What if the whole body were an ear? Have you realized the different shapes of people's ears? Have you ever just looked at ears? You know, what if the whole body were an ear? You know, no, I don't think so. That's not, a, that's not a pretty picture. Well, and there'd be no sense of smell. Paul's point is this. Diversity is vital and necessary. And he says that's how God wants it to be. We are different but we still work together. 
We're different, but we still work together. And that leads us into the next piece. Paul writes about every member is then complemented by other members. Every member is complemented by other members. That's what he writes about. The parts that we think are less honorable are treated with special honor. Parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. That's the key in that little section, equal concern for each other. The church is not a human invention. It's God's idea. This is how C.S. Lewis describes it. The church is not a human society of people united by their common affinities, but the body of Christ, in which all members, however different, and then he has a little parenthesis, in which all members, however different, and he rejoices in their differences. He says, God rejoices in their differences and by no means wishes to iron them out. And then he continues on. All members, however different, must share the common life, complementing and helping one another precisely by their differences. Precisely by their differences. We live in a culture that is immersed in individualism and fragmentation and isolation and rampant consumerism. When I was growing up, there were some major magazines that just filled the needs of the country. Life, Look, Saturday Evening Post, Time, Newsweek, and Reader's Digest. And there were about six and then others beyond that. But those were major sources of information for the country. You go now, you look at magazine racks, and, and they, it's just a, it's a plethora, a veritable plethora of, of stuff and subjects and topics. And you can, I think, I think if, you're, if you're really interested, you can find a magazine that's devoted to underwater basket weaving. I think you could find that. It's, it's just fragmentation across, across the culture, immersed in individualism, fragmentation, isolation, and rampant consumerism. Care for me and my needs and make me happy. And that's our culture. Care for me, my needs, and make me happy. But actually that attitude is part of a fallen world, and it's been around for literally, literally centuries. In fact, way back in 503 B.C., a fellow named Meninius Agrippa, a Roman consul, wrote this parable. There was a day when the human body was not as harmoniously ordered as it is today. Every member of the body had its own will and its own language. Other members became angry that they had to concern themselves with the need of the stomach and to provide it with everything. The stomach just remained at the center of all this, satisfied with all that was brought to it. So the members made this decision. The hands would not supply any food to the mouth. The mouth would not receive any food, and the teeth would not chew. Consequently, during this time in which they starved the stomach, all the parts of the body became weak and feeble, and they realized that the role of the stomach was not to be despised as a passive one, Just as he was being nourished, he's passing on strength in return. When I had a wounded little finger, 
my whole self, me, all of me, my body, my whole self felt the pain. This past week, you noticed I was trying to get past a cough a while ago. This past week, I was ill because in knocking snow off my trees repeatedly to my body's chagrin, my feet got cold. And they're old. And I warmed them up each time I came in and tried to take care of them, and they got cold every time. And so by the time I got done knocking snow off the trees, not only were my feet cold, my nose began to run, my throat got sore, and I had an ache in my ear. The whole body, the whole body reacted. All of this tells us that our lives, our lives are inextricably woven together within the body of Christ. Well-being depends on the well-being of others. None of us is unimportant, nor more important than any other. None of us is unimportant, nor more important than any other. And if some part of the body begins to behave that way, it needs to have a conversation with the head of the body, that is Christ. Because everything we say and do is based on the biblical foundation of love. Everything we say and do is built on a biblical foundation of love. And that leads us into the next part of what Paul says, every member is involved in the well-being of other members. Last little part here. <clears throat> Next verses. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Now, what's the Apostle Paul reminding us of here? The church is essentially not about religion. It's about relationships. And relationships are not always easy, and they are not always pleasant, and they're not always peaceful. But if that's the case, and it is, then really, why bother? Got enough stress in my life already, I don't need more from that church. Why bother? Why continue to spend time with other folk who can annoy, disturb, hurt, and distress us? You say, I don't know. <laughs> okay? Because, because it's about more than friendship. Who likes this? Who doesn't like that? Who gets along with whom? Who said this or did that? Back and forth. It's about more than compatibility, about more than sharing a common interest or likes or sports or hobbies. It's knowing another and being known. It's giving to others for their growth in Christ, receiving from them for our own growth. We're not the same, but each is important. We desperately need one another, and what affects one affects 
us all. Years ago, when I was new here as pastor, we had some longtime folks who were on the roll, but they really weren't functioning members. Hardly ever participated, worship any other part of the life of the church. One afternoon, I, I called on them. <clears throat> I let them know I was missing them. And the husband said, and remember, this is, back, this is back years ago. The husband said to me, this is a true story. He said to me, when you can preach like, Do when you can preach like Dr. Schuler, I'll come around more. Now, do you remember who he would have been talking about? Robert Schuler, Crystal Cathedral out in California, had a TV broadcast every Sunday morning. When you can preach like Dr. Schuler, I'll come around more. So I responded, well, I have different gifts, varying degrees, and I'll likely never be able to preach like Dr. Schuler. And then I said, John, keep something in mind. Next time you or Agnes, Agnes are in the hospital, make two phone calls. Make one, fall, one phone call out to California to the Crystal Cathedral and one to South Suburban and see who shows up in your room to care about you and to pray for you and who continues to love you over the long haul. He didn't like that. <laughs> Some years later, though, they both did become ill, and the church did reach out. The church did love them, and the church did help them. But remember, it's meant to go both ways. It's meant to go both ways. Its parts should have equal concern for each other, for each other. The body of Christ is where broken people are put back together where desperate people find calm, fearful folks can find peace, empty people can be filled, and those with sorrow can find joy. It's where the dying find life. Not a one of us, not a one of us in the body is perfect. Not a one of us is perfect. We fail, we've hurt one another, we've said some really dodo things to one another at times, We've taken one another for granted, mistreated, misused one another, often inadvertently, sometimes, sad to say, on purpose. We're all in need of forgiving love. You've heard me say before, and somebody said it, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We all come before Jesus and the cross on the same level. Not a one of us is perfect. Way back in the 1800s, here's how Phillips Brooks said it. Out of our humiliated pride, deep in the darkness of crushed despair, in the fretting and dusty atmosphere of little cares, in the hard, cruel contacts we have each, with each other, wherever souls are being tried and ripened, in whatever commonplace and homely ways, there God is. Through all the ins and outs of our common life, there God is. There's a joy that's found in caring for others, in serving them in truly significant ways that's simply not found, not found in just serving ourselves. It's an instrument, an investment, using my body 
as a piece, a part of Christ's body. It's an investment in the spiritual life, the well-being, and the eternal destiny of some other precious creation of the Lord. It's part of what it means to be a functioning member, functioning membership. Now, in that, what that means for us at South Suburban, just take a look at our values here. We've worked on these. Our, bo our board has voted on these. Just look through these quickly with me. <clears throat> okay, guys. We will captivate South Denver and beyond with the good news of life in Jesus. Okay? Because we trust the living God, we will be consumed with prayer for each other, our community, the world Jesus died to save. We will propel each other toward a transforming relationship with Jesus. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, we'll actively serve, care, and give to advance the mission of God. We will sacrifice to love every person, every family, and every season of life and faith. As a unified body, we'll put aside our own interests, resolve conflicts peacefully, and together champion the objectives of the church. Now, are we perfect in these? No. Will we ever be perfect in these, this side of heaven? No. But values like these move us in positive action. They call us forward together as Christ's body. They help us remember why we're together. We need one another. The church, the body of Christ, is God's idea. John Loftness says that it's sharing in something in common, sharing something in common at the deepest possible level of human relationships, our experience of God. It's sharing something in common at the deepest parts of who you and I are. What is that? Our experience of God. The church is God's designed place to either begin new, start over, or decide to grow and change and serve for the glory of the Lord. It's the dedication of a functioning membership. It's the bonding of common people around an uncommon mission. It's the body of Christ doing our best to live out the radical implications of the gospel in front of a world that's watching to see if it's actually true. You and I, the body of Christ, all of us together, we are called to a higher standard. We're called to a higher purpose. We're called to a higher level of living than anything this world has to offer. And because of that, because of that mission, that uncommon mission, the uniqueness of that, what happens is that the world out there watches and listens to what happens, what goes on, how we function, how we serve, how we love, what's going on. The body of Christ doing our best to live out the radical implications of the gospel, the good news, in front of a world that's watching to see if it's actually true. <clears throat> 